Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is the three motherfuckers. You got Sarge, the Reverend, and the Professor back again. We are joined by a very special guest today. We have the motherfucking man. He's like the ganja claws in the house. Would you like to introduce yourself, Larry? Tell the people who the fuck you are. Uh, okay. Um... Larry. How would you describe yourself? Yeah. Uh I'm a human. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus. As, as far as I know. Now I'm skeptical. Well, um, there are question marks there that we can Father Mark told us that there's possible there are other possibilities. He's a star child. I know some people with some interesting thoughts, but none of them involve me. So as far as I know, I'm a human. Um uh I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. Um I really like weed. Um, I've worked in the cannabis industry since 2013, like professionally. Um, I uh, what do you do in the cannabis? Um, I have been running labs at a large scale for a long time. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with some pretty big brands and some really good teachers and. Um, just really find my way through the industry in a unique way. Um, you know, I, I currently direct a lab here in St. Louis called proper, uh, cannabis that, um, is one of the bigger brands out here. And, uh, you know, we've won a few awards and, um, it's just something I've been really passionate about since I was young. So you're the weed man, uh, like the weed scientist. I, I, what I do they call that? Is I, that I'm a her, a, is that a herbiculturist? What, what, I'm not what's a your definition? Person, person on like labels, right? Like, I think uh, I think titles at jobs are like a really like weird thing that people fixate on. Um, the term that like I most associate with is like a, a hash maker, um, although that is like a very broad thing, right? And it sounds very small to a lot of people, but like that is what I. You want to elaborate on that? Well, what what does that mean to you? What does hash maker mean to you? Well, the small spectrum it means someone that produces produces hash and probably cares about producing it to some extent, right? Um, and a large spectrum to me, <clears throat> it's kind of like I'm going to relate it to being a chef, like there's cooks and there's chefs, right? There's guys that can work on a line and, and do certain things. And then there's guys that like manage kitchens and create and build. Right. And like, I understand this. Really yeah. Well. yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, I've never been at like a chef in a restaurant or anything like that, but that I see a lot of similarities in, in, in food and what I do as far as like the, um, let, let's say hierarchy. Right. Uh, and I, I see it in martial arts too. Um, to an extent, like there's, there's many forms of things and where you can get really good at them that have these, uh, hierarchies that are beyond being social. They're beyond being physical. They're beyond being skill-based. Like it's a, an amalgamation of those things. Right. Um, what is the definition of amalgamation? Uh, combination, just like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, just putting things together. It might even be the wrong way to use that word, but it sounded great. It did. Um, it sounded amazing. I didn't have a clue what it meant. It's like a $10 <laughs> word. It's like, shit. We only got a $40 one. 
dollar budget. So, dude, I'm telling you. No, yeah. I can relate to this though. So, my best friend in the military, when he left the army, he decided he was going to become a chef. And I thought, what an interesting thing to want to do. Like when you leave combat engineers, like I'm going to become a chef. And I was like, okay. So I followed him. And then he went and he got a degree in uh, gastrobiology. And then when he started creating foods and started to explain to me the different molecular structures of the food, how the food breaks down on the palate, how it's processed by the palate in the body. And then he he explains that when the chefs are creating really fancy meals, that they're looking at the combination of ingredients to create an experience in your mouth from beginning to end so that different foods, different flavors hit your palate at certain times so that you have a different flavor experience throughout the eating process. And that the foods are put together that way. People have too much time. Way too much time. But I'll tell you what, it's fascinating. But I will tell you this. I went to that. I went to his restaurant. He was running a a restaurant uh, up in Akron, Ohio called Darby's. And he was the executive chef. And I went there and I ordered a plate of potato chips, right? It was so interesting because he was the number one thing in the menu, potato chips, right? Yeah. $15 appetizer potato chips. Probably one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. It was fucking amazing. And it's that's just where it's at. Like, you know, you get some people that are just good at what they do. So I can relate to that. So you do that with weed. To an extent, yeah. Um Building flavor palettes is a little bit more difficult, but we do do things like that with blends. More of what I like to look at what like my my what I'm known for in the industry to some extent or whatever is um, representing best what was given to me. Right, like this is a great representation of what I was given to turn into this. You know. Um, not all of the harvests are created equal. Not all of the plants are created equal, and they're all going to make different things. Now, are you referring to strains? As far as... Uh, what are you talking about preserving? Uh, representing. Um, yeah, the strains that I'm given, right? But it's not just the strain. It's that particular batch, right? It, that particular plant. Like that, quality yes, control. Um, that, the, it, it, the, the, that grouping of plants. That's what I'm trying to represent, right? They all change. Um, you know, we can grow... Anywhere can grow any sort of, let, let's just take, um, you know, uh, Purple Punch, for example, or Gorilla Glue or just something anyone would have, you know, GMO. Um, anywhere can grow it on any given day of the year and it'd be different in different ways. And depending on how they grew it, um, where they grew it, uh, how long they flowered it for and many different in- environmental factors leading up to that. Um and those plants are going to change batch to batch. So what I'm trying to do is represent that particular batch, right? Um, I'm not trying to make it better. I'm not trying to um, hide anything for it in the in the most raw form of what I'm doing, right? I do all types of different things where you know we make we make forms where the plant characteristics are completely stripped from the extract, and there's there's all different spectrums of this, and and that's kind of like how I would relate the difference between like. Uh, a, a really you know a, a chef and like a, a cook there's guys that can do one particular process and then there's guys that can what Break does need to be done with this and like the way we look about it look express it where i'm at work it's like which bucket do we need to drop this into right and that, we kind of make those it's decisions like iron chef. okay you get like a random so yeah here's work with here's what we need to do we need to circle back for a second because i think we got to remember we're talking to the <laughs> listenership as a whole and there may be a lot of people that don't know a lot about marijuana 
in general. So why don't you just give us a basic education of marijuana, the plant, what the terpenes are, what different interactions are, so that we have some basic understanding of what we're talking about here. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know who doesn't know what marijuana is, right? Um, you would be surprised. The, the way that. I think everybody knows what it is, but I don't think very many people know about it. There's a lot of complexities that come with it that I don't think people and understand. Years and years and years of suppressed education. Indica. Yeah, yes. they don't understand. Indica. There's different strains. I, so I would say indica and sativa are like just basically a made-up construct at this point, right? All of these plants have been polyhybridized, which means like they've been bred with each other over and over and over, kind of like Americans, um, you know, where different things that came together and now have like been genetically mixed. Um, and that's what most of the plants are we have in generations because unlike humans where it takes a long time to have a baby and create another baby and like find the bloodline, we've been really specific in the characteristics we like in the plant. So are you saying that there's not a true sativa or a true indica on the market anymore? That everything is a polyhybrid? On the market? No. I mean like the term true sativa to, you know, a definition is going to be a plant that flowers for a very, very, very long time. Like... More than double the time any sort of commercial grow is doing. Um, so, no, yeah, that that's not, like, a real thing. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So then what am I getting? When I when I go down and I say, hey, I want to buy a sativa, then what, what, what exactly am I getting? What, you are getting what they are most associating with a sativa to the best of their ability. And to be frank, like, all sativa really refers to is a plant with – Long leaves and a na- uh, long narrow leaves versus short fat leaves, and all of these plants can do many different things. Like to call a plant like Cam ninety one a sativa is the most hysterical thing in the world to me. Um, like it's the cutest thing in the world. Uh, Fair. So it was in. So let me talk a little bit because I'm. Th- this is fascinating to me. Um, when I first started smoking or started getting into to marijuana at all, um, the indica sativa thing was a big deal to me. When I first started taking uh, edibles, I started with indica, and whenever I took the indie, I would get ninety nine percent of edibles that you're consuming are made from distillate. From distillate, so like that is completely stripping the plant of any sort of characteristic it could have to steer it towards indica or sativa. Like it's really it's the, the why goofiest the thing. High, is the, the, then am I creating that? Is yeah, that a placebo, placebo effect is one of the mind? most common things in like cannabis experience and in, in humans in general. Um, like many, many studies about specifically CBD will show lots of placebo effect. Um, and cannabis in general, still worked. but yeah, it still worked for sure. And that's all you need, right? The power of the mind's a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, and I'm not saying like cannabis doesn't get you high, but I'm saying that when you go to a store and a bud tender tells you exactly what it's going to do to you, and then you go home and you think it happened, hey, I'm really glad you had a great time, but that it wasn't the plant. It was the experience and everything that you, the intention that you put into it. Like your mind's a really powerful thing beyond what we think it is. And like cannabis can help you steer it in that direction, but it's not causing that particular experience. I've smoked, you know, I don't want to say every strain there is, but I would say that all of the, the market names for strains, all of the market names for strains probably, um, come down to, uh, you know, let's say 50 things. And I've smoked all of those, plus anything that could have been hybridized from it many times in my life. And 
you know, the effects will vary between them. But as far as th- these exact mo- mentionings that people are getting into, and this is going to be used for this and that, that's not how it's going to work with strains. The, the specific medicine stuff is going to be people that are better than me at isolations taking the plant apart at a very, very molecular level and then putting it back together for very specific things for very specific people. That's what that's going to turn into. But um, as far as like saying this one's for me for this ailment, that's not going to be something for a very like indefinite time. That's just not how it's going to work. When cannabis is like actually a medicine, it will be like specific medicine. And I'm not saying you can't use it for a medicine now, but I'm saying is... um, the effects are going to vary person to person very specifically despite the um, ailment that you're dealing with or what you're trying to treat with it. And, you know, it can help with many things, but it's not going to be some sort of this strain fixes this for, you know, that that's just not how it's going to work. It's, it's going to be on a molecular level. They're going to put things together in very small amounts and have like specific medicine for specific people. And I, I'm not even able to like do something like that really. Like, so are get... you saying it doesn't really matter what you get at a dispensary then? Unless I'm hearing. No, 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 not at all. You're going to have preferences, right? That's like saying, you know, you're going to like every soda you taste. That's probably not true because like there, there's, there's flavors and there's, there's effects based on it. Every right. Beer, every so whiskey, sure. you know? let me try to interpret. I think what he's saying is, is I'm not going to go down and buy GMO to cure cancer. It's not going to be that specific. I'm going to go get, you know, one strain isn't necessarily going to have yeah, what I'm some curative like, property you're over buy another. You're going to GMO to enjoy, like, something that tastes savory like that and get you high as fuck. Right. Um, but, you, you know, it, as far as um, saying this one's an uplifting high and this one's like a... Uh, a coucher. You know, a coucher, like, that is is very, very subjective. That's right, that could change. Um, that's, that was yeah. more right. to the point of what that. I was that asking, is more I subjective, guess. and like there are going to be things that you can. There are going to be things that you can Damn. get through versus you that's can't get through. Joint. But um, he calls it a doink. It's mostly going to be related to like wow. what I would call overall potency that only has a, a very little bit to do with THC. I I look at it as we're in a very infancy of the analytics on cannabis, and what we know about the plant is very inconclusive and it points to there's more like we talk about terpenes, but we don't talk about flavonoids. We don't talk about particular fats. We don't talk about particular waxes. Um, you know, they're not even really identified. And like, I hate to tell you, but the, they test for like 25 terpenes. There's 250 plus of those things. Um, so the, the, the analytical testing is, is, is minute to, to tell the, the least. So like, I can send in, Terpene samples to a lab where they'll call me and be like, we can't give you an accurate result on this because it's too pure. Like they don't have the capabilities that are required for the type of studies that people are presenting the information like they have, you know? Okay. Um, Fair. So how much do the terpenes matter? I mean, the terpenes matter. I it's what is the majority of the flavoring of the plant, which gives it its, its nuance and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Right. Um, but it's also other things in there that cause it. And nuance isn't only about the main thing, right? Anything that has nuance isn't only going to be about the the star of the show. Like, we'll, we'll go back to, like, uh, a whiskey. Um, it's not going to be about how strong that whiskey is. It's not even going to be about the, the front flavor. It's going to be about the back flavor, which is the, a very minute portion of that whiskey, right? And how it sits on your throat after you swallow it. And I don't even drink whiskey, but I'm just trying to give examples from other things that are more relatable. 
um, Oh, we're you know, relating. Yeah, like food. You know, you go get a, a steak at a fancy restaurant. Most of the time, it's not going to be a steak with just like salt on it. You know, there, right. it's going to be about the other little things about it. And that's what nuance is. And that's what creates them in, in cannabis. And a lot of them are not super um, well known yet. And, you know, they're it's going to take people that are probably doing other much more valuable things, in my opinion, for society to, to really figure that out. And I think cannabis is going to become more of a uh, mass commodity and small batch producer type thing. Um, not that the medical market will go away. It will always exist to some extent for people wanting to use it for like, you know, homeopathic medicine and things like that. But it's not going to be specific medicine like it, it has the potential to be. Fair. Um I I do believe that in the future, like cannabis could be used with other medicines, especially to to treat things. Um, as far as like just isolating THC and CBD to treat things, that's that's not a very realistic thing. It's going to work with other things in conjunction with it. It's a pretty complicated system and how it works in your body. And you know, people are but we would need federal legalization out. before we could get any of the research to support that. Um, I mean. I don't know enough about policy to assume any of that. I think a lot of things like that happen in Israel. In Israel, uh, patents are pretty directly um, transferable to America. It's like one of the only countries. Israel patents are pretty transferable to America. It's like one of the only countries where that's uh, pretty possible. So um, I think if anything really super groundbreaking were to happen, it's going to come out of Israel. And uh well, no. And they, they do work on things like that pretty regularly there. It's very specific medicine for cannabis. That's how, interesting. How, how far off do you think we are Who from federal legalization? I don't I don't really understand policy, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to like comment on any sort of politics because like I, I just I don't know. So you mean to tell me that it's God's people that are the world's leader in cannabis research? God's people. Um, <laughs> Just uh, throwing that out uh, there. Uh, we all I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I, for know, all those. I, I would say that there there are really mm. intelligent people working wow. on cannabis research. The chosen. Um you know, uh but a lot of their findings are very inconclusive most of the time, and then when they have findings, it's often counterintuitive to kind of general thought. Fair. Well, I and definitely they're also very in the infancy of their, their research. Well, that perspective that you shared is mind-blowing to me. It's completely different than anything I expected to come out of your mouth. Marketing. So I am legitimately shocked. I hate saying things like that because I'm not supposed to, right? But like, I, I, I hate saying things like that because I'm not supposed to, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> You got to go all in, man. Like, but, put the uh, thing in your mouth and just do it. it it's, not, it it's an uncomfortable <laughs> thing for me, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, a lot of things are marketing. All all of the shiny bags and all of the jars and all of the Well, I know I know it's not and... marketing your weed. Because yeah. you gave me some a little while back and fuck me. <laughs> all right. I mean, I I buy from the local dispensaries and I buy top shelf stuff all the time, so I knew I was yeah, expected. Store weed just going to be different than stuff that's grown in super small batches by someone that cares a ton, you know. Oh my goodness. Um, Yours was fantastic. What was the name of the stuff that you gave me? That's chili. That's from one of my buddies back home. Yeah, you gave me two. You gave me uh I might have give you trunk funk too. Trunk funk. Trunk funk. And what was the big deal about the trunk funk one? 
Um, it's it's won some some awards, uh, like local here in St. Louis. Um, so yeah. these are individual small batches that you grow just for the purposes of entering into competition. Um, n- not necessarily, right? But like right now, we are getting ready for something like that. I don't have my hands physically doing a lot of it, so like I, I'd feel pretty guilty saying it was me. Um, but you know, uh, there's people waiting and there's people out there that are there to get it done with, with the intention in mind. And that's coming out of Rhode Island, I'm assuming. You know, an undisclosed area. Undisclosed area. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Cause I mean, I was, whew. did you bring any other goodies? Do we have anything like that? I just brought what? some, some weed to roll up. Um, nothing, nothing, anything, uh, super crazy, but you know, like, but quality stuff. Well, yeah. you work for proper, so that's yeah. like some of the best stuff on the market. Yeah. Like legit. That is our top, top shelf. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the most expensive weed in Missouri, and, you know, it, it's great. Um, it's just, you know, when, when you're growing like two lights, it can be a little different. Fair. Interesting. Here. So what's your favorite strain that you grow for proper? At proper? Um... I like the headphone jam right now. Tell us about it. Um, it's a headband cross. It was bred specifically for hash by this kid Schwell. Um, he takes like the best pictures of weed. Really, he's you know one of the best pictures of weed. Like, there's this dude Dave's not here, man, who I think is is probably the best out there. And um, there's also uh. This dude, Eric Nugshots, as far as pictures. But anyway, Schwale's a breeder, and he put a really years and years of intention into breeding specifically for cannabis genetics and um, specifically for what we call washers, which are like plants that perform well to make bubble hash, which you can turn into live rosin. Um, Having a high-yielding plant that does that can be very valuable and... uh, he did this specifically for that and headband is like an old school cross that was, is known to have some lineage that does well in that particular spot. And he, he put together these plants that are really unique and you know very commercially viable and super nice plants. I feel like I should be taking notes. <laughs> I am, <laughs> I'm blown away, man. Wow. Um, so l- let me go back to the most obvious question. So when you say photos, are you talking about like actual, like somebody who takes photos of weed or are we talking about like a process of... I mean like just taking pictures of weed, yeah. Like, okay, just clarifying. So, yeah. Photographer. So this yeah. is, you can become like, famous for uh, taking yeah. photos of weed. I mean, I don't know if he's famous, right? But like, I, um, he, he's, he's well known within the industry and, you know, uh, he's a pretty nice guy. Um, Fair. Winning. Yeah. And he... he he put in the work, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know him super well or anything like that, but, like, I know he put in the work. Well, I just didn't know it was a thing. I mean, that was, to me, that was a shocking part. I just didn't realize. I was really surprised when you said yeah, that he was, yeah, a signature photographer of weed. I, I didn't, I was like, what? No, he this just, is a thing? He, you he, know? And it would he got stop. his name out there taking really good pictures of weed, but he's been breeding for a long time. And... uh you know, at proper, they did this really big phenol hunt, and um, some of his work was, in my opinion, some of the best stuff that came out of it. Fair, that's amazing. Oh, okay. So, do you have anything to do with like growing the plant? And opinions in cannabis vary, by the way. Like, a lot of people are going to completely disagree with me, and I'm just going to laugh at them. And think I think their opinion's terrible. 
Right. Well, I mean, you get that with anything. Yeah. I mean, whether it be like your jujitsu or business yeah, or like, education, I'll, I'll hate like, on weed. Come on, everybody's like, good. Like, like, it's not going to get you high. Like, I can smoke it all day. It's not going to get you this right kind of high. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to be like as high as possible when they're smoking weed. That's the point. <laughs> Fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Let's let's talk about this because I I think this is one of the most interesting things about you that I've met uh is what how did you go was it a natural progression was it cannabis that led to jiu-jitsu how did jiu-jitsu enter your world um in the long the long story of it is I always was interested in some sort of martial art I didn't always do one you know, from the time I was a little kid, my dad put me in karate and he had some friends that were like ninjas. Like I've seen these dudes fly. Um, I just like float across rooms and, you know, but like they, this was like little kid stuff that I, I don't even really remember that my biggest memory of it is showing up one day and he had closed and left and didn't tell anyone. Um, and then in high school, um, and like middle school, I wrestled, uh, and we eventually ran into this dude who was a Jean Kundo coach who like basically had us fighting in a garage and then employed us for as like bouncers as a kid. Um, I've stopped doing that and didn't really do anything for quite some time. I don't. I might have been like eighteen, and we didn't do that for super long. It was like a summer or two. Um, you know, I always really enjoyed watching the UFC, but never put any time into it, right? I moved to Denver. Um, I took one class at a 10th Planet out there, and I told myself I couldn't afford it, and it was far away from my house. It was like 40 minutes or something from Denver to Boulder to go. Um, and he also ran, like, a much more traditional class than I was introduced to. Like, I think I shrimped for, f- like, 30 minutes. Ugh. Um, Ouch. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Been there. And um, I never went back there. And I I eventually moved out here. Um, Oh, and I had boxed for a little bit when I moved back home. And, you know, like I said, I've I've always enjoyed that. But, like, you can't do that as hard. Like, you can't put a lot of intention into boxing and not get hit in the head a lot. And I don't like getting hit in the head. Right. So it's like not, you can't go play the game the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had just kind of started recognizing boxing as like it could be a game, but ended up moving out here and stopped doing it. When I got here, I didn't like cook a meal for like three months and Eric's Instagram ad popped up and I was like, I want to do that. And we talked and I eventually just showed up to the gym. Um, I was like, I'll be there once a week, and that lasted a week. Yeah, and then I was like there pretty much every day. So from, when did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> you've been. Remember, a, I don't remember any of that. I, I mean, be there all the time. Yeah, right. I came to the gym. Yeah, like, I was like two years ago almost. Now, how long? How long has it been? A year and a half. Yeah, something like that. And uh, you've been there ever since I've been there. I mean, you were a staple in the gym from day he one. He was talking yeah. to me before I even had doors open. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was trying to like figure out how I could like get it into my schedule because at that time. I was like physically doing everything at work, so I just didn't have a lot of time. 
And now I have a lot of employees and stuff, so I could like just manage. Yeah, I have some flexibility. Right on. Um, and it's like good for me. I don't know. It it's me. It definitely makes me better at my job. Like. I don't know if I would have been able to get to the point I have with my job if uh, I didn't have jujitsu. Why do you think that is? Um, I'm an angsty guy. I'm aggressive. Like I don't like being told what to do, um, and that's what having a job is, right? And like, especially if I feel like I know what to do, I want to do it how I do it. You don't even do it, so like, like, like. You can't even do what you just told me to do. Like, I, you you can't do it. I know you can't. Um, and that is, like, a a tough thing for me. And I think it is for anyone who feels, like, pretty passionate about what they do, right? To be, like, told how to do it by someone who doesn't do it. You know, and the way I can express it to, like, at least Eric is, like, imagine working at a gym with a guy that doesn't know jiu-jitsu who's, like, you need to go do jiu-jitsu like this. And you're just, like... Yeah, but you don't know how. Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> I get that. Echo. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, it's definitely helped me learn how to deal with that and be content in, in the situation I'm given because, like, I'm in a really great situation. It's just I'm a – I always want to do better. Like, it's just, like uh, – kind of how I've been wired for like my entire life. Like if from the time I first get a job, like I always wanted it to be better. Um, and I feel like I can try to make things better and often can. So, you know, um, it can be frustrating when you think you have a path and someone tells you to stop, you know, and they have all the right to do it. And learning how to deal with that kind of helps in jiu-jitsu because, like, there can be a dude that just grabs your neck and you're like, I'm not going to let him grab my neck. And then you're like, I can't move my head. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what, are you going to get mad at him? <laughs> That's not how it works, you know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 You have to let it happen and learn how to work with, like, the problems. Um, and that is, like, I think if you're physically doing it, it's mentally easier to get it done. Uh, I don't know. I, it's like it magic. gives you a tactile map to organize how to deal with the problems. That and like you just you have other things to do. You've already gotten whatever like portions of brain like used up trying to fight people off in the gym, and you're just fine with it. Like like I said, I know realistically when I look at it, I'm in a good situation, but it could be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like the constant pursuit, right? At least for me. Um, so, you know, uh, trying to navigate that and just... It, 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 jiu-jitsu is very relatable to a lot of things. And earlier I was avoiding relating it to jiu-jitsu because also not a lot of people do jiu-jitsu. So, you know, I'm trying to, like, talk about food. But, like, anything that you can get really, really good at, there's going to be some sort of hierarchy and then, like, uh, peers associated with it that bring you through that hierarchy and um things are very relatable i even see it in like specific chef cultures like the way dudes that cook ramen get together is very like weed and jujitsu like um and you know all of that 
is just very. Uh, are you meaning it's clicky? Like how are you? How are I you associating that? clicky? Right. Um, it's they're generally pretty open, open groups. Um, I've gotten pretty closed off in the weed thing recently, just because so many people have been added to it, and it's just it's a wild frenzy of like snakes just trying to like puff their chest out in a, a, a very odd way. Um, and something that I don't think is realistically all that hard. So it's a very, um, it's a very weird thing for me. Uh, I don't like competing in subjective things. And I think that's basically what it really comes down to. Um, so it's just kind of silly. Uh, it's like a very, very silly thing. Um, and you know, but at the, at the good levels, like a, a lot of my best friends in the world are like weed guys that I've met, like through the industry in like some way, shape or form, whether it was like from forums or on Instagram as like, you know, a young guy, like trying to move out to Colorado or like whatever it was. Um, a lot of my, the best friends of my, you know, I have are, are, are from that. Right. Well, I think, so I, I yeah, it's like any community, you know, and the, you, you develop a community of jiu-jitsu, you get a community of, you know, cannabis has got its own community, and you're going to have people that are going to rise up in that community, and sometimes you get movements or things, and it'll go different ways, but yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think that's something that's transferable, but I agree to what you were saying earlier about, like, the, you know, what how I relate it is, everything is the same. You know, when, when you look at life, external versus internal, everything is the same. We have the same reactions relatively to a different stimuli, but at different, at different spaces or ranges. I, I think of it, of course, I think of everything like striking, right? So we have different ranges at which life happens. And it, the further it gets away from our body, then the less important it becomes. And one of the things I like about fighting is, is it puts conflict, it puts discomfort in the closest circle on your physical body. And what that does is that's your highest priority level of discomfort. It doesn't get more uncomfortable than that. So when you're experiencing that emotion, you're experiencing it in the most uncomfortable way, the most intense way, the most interpersonal way. And what I've found is when I'm dealing with those things externally in life, and I'm like you said, you get to work and you're dealing with a similar situation, like somebody's on your throat and they can't get off. But the reality is, is they're not actually on your throat. And so it's not the same. To me, it's less intense. So it's like, yeah. I've been through this before with someone actually choking me and I couldn't breathe. So buddy, this isn't going to bother me. It helps me for sure emotionally like deal with it like i used to be known to yell at people at work like a crazy ass chef like i'd fucking flip out screaming yelling like i can't see that i would lose it you're the calmest person i've ever met generally i am but like if you do something i consider like illogical that like costs like money that i have to like explain about that's like i'll, I'll flip the fuck out you know what i'm saying or like um something i consider gross like i'll flip the fuck out like um you roll around with sweaty people all day, bro. That's not gross. I mean, Metaphorically gross. Like no, I, I mean gross to like a human or gross to like a sanitary product. Oh, okay. Oh, like if, okay. Um, yeah. Like, hey, that's don't a don't tell me the bad things about that. That's I don't want to hear that. Well, no like, one wants to hear that. Yeah, no, I'm not. We, gonna, we smoke that. Um, <laughs> well, like that's what I mean. Like I won't let you. You know. Um, right. 
and where I work, that that type of thing isn't a problem. But like, in, in the grand scheme of the industry and the things I've seen, like I've seen all types of wild shit going on. Um, and then like, dude, trying to like fix things that is not fixing them, and just like, just people are crazy, right? Um, you know, which can be related to all types of things. There's great chefs that have like served like absolutely trash meals, and you know, there's black belts that have choked like twelve year old white belts to sleep. Like, there's just you know. There's all different spectrums people. and broke right. their arms and all, all types of shit. So it's like, um, yeah, it's, you know, uh, well, the last time that I knocked out a 12 year old, I had really good intentions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really didn't go the way I thought it was, but and the kid kind of deserved it. I mean, <laughs> being a little smart, so it's fine. It's fine. So did you brain anything for me to smoke? Yeah. You can roll up some of this. Oh, so I got a question. I have to go get my rolling tray. Uh, and you may have answered it already. I think you might have. Right. Let me um, go give me a tray. I'll be back. So talking about edibles or even a vape, like you talk about, the, they get rid of most of that nuance. So, so not all what, vapes, right? But most vapes are distillate based. And then they have star-bought terpenes that are added back to them, which are going to remove most of the plant's characteristics. The cannabinoid profile can play an effect at that point into the overall effect of that pen. But the terpene content isn't going to one that represents like a necessarily actual cannabis plant at all in a distillate pen. Now some of them you can add actual cannabis plant terpenes back too but then they're going to have the effects of that plant to some extent. Right? Not um, So it's closer than a regular edible or whatever. Closer to the regular effect of that plant in an extract form than uh, just a distillate with like a store-bought terpene put back into it. Um, So like there's a few ways to collect terpenes from cannabis and the most wide spectrum ways have like cannabinoid in them and they also have all of the terpenes in them. And those can be used to reintroduce back to a distillate which has been stripped of that stuff but it, it, it's still like there's some there's things that aren't translated in the process right on hmm. when's the first time you smoked <sighs> riding in the car on the way to see a batman movie <laughs> okay and like a pipe i bought in a gas station how was the movie just love it <laughs> i don't the penguin watch, or mr freeze i don't watch movies <laughs> Um, I think it was Batman Begins. Huh. I was like 14 or something. Fuck, I'm old. Um, <laughs> maybe 15. Yeah. At least that's like the most definitive time in my head. Yeah. Hmm. I was growing up in Rhode Island. Um, I mean, interesting. It's a very small community, but I feel like St. Louis is actually kind of smaller i've already like assimilated with so many people here and i run into them all over really? like places i lived in westerly for a while you lived in westerly rhode island yeah the, for a uh, while before i came back in the army on okay what did you do out there uh well i moved out there to do security for uh the, the boat spot the the sub base yeah, yeah the, uh, um, marine I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, it, and everyone and, like there's like a, a population of the state works there at this point. Yeah, man, it was right after the towers. Something hit. boat. I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, it's the nuclear sub, whatever. So it was like a, it was gonna be a good paying gig, but the dude who hired me had a heart attack, and he was the primary trainer for the contract, and then 
I've been trying to convince my first wife to let me come in the army, back in the army. Boat. That may be it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I ended up coming back in the army for there. So I was only there for like six months or something. But she lived up in, or she worked in Providence. Okay. Like that whole state is just so tiny. Yeah. You know, it's like two different ends of the spectrum yeah. or whatever. But no, nah, man, I, I was there for a minute. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like it better than here. Um. But work has brought me here. Uh, yeah. So what else are you into besides jits and weed? Uh, that's really it. Okay. Cool. My dog. Like, but yeah, I'm pretty. Well, that's kind of cool too. Though, pretty right? simple. I get really obsessive. Like, have we talked about you being a murderer at jits yet? I don't know. Straight savage. That. Oh my god, so bad. So you just won a big thing the other day. What was that? I don't know if it was a big thing. It was their. Uh, <laughs> Our our local Tenth uh, Planet uh, now blue and white belt um, tournament in house tournament. They do big and small. I was the biggest. Yeah, <laughs> one eighty five plus is my favorite division. Yeah, you won the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun. I like going going to those things. Uh, Jujitsu's helped me be con- like find an, a measurable outlet for. Your, you know, being competitive and, you know, understanding, like, the grand scheme of things. And, you know, I really appreciate it for that. I don't really think I'm a killer, right? I think um, I I think in everything there's a, there's a hierarchy and there's there's a real hierarchy in jiu-jitsu and it's very physical and it's very apparent, right? Um, and I think, you know, it's to some extent important to make sure you put yourself like against that hierarchy to some extent so you don't get unrealistic because I could see myself like really inflating my ability um you know if I if I didn't go do things like that um and it's it's doing shit that's real I mean I don't necessarily know about that right it because it's I don't look at it as that dangerous especially the way I play the game I basically refuse to wrestle with someone I know can wrestle the fuck out of me um, and if they touch me and I think there's even a chance they can wrestle the fuck out of me, I sit down. Right. Um, that's playing the game. Yeah. Like I don't, but it's still, it's a, maybe I think you misread what I was saying. It is the reason the army went to it is it was the most real metric. They could have people go full speed and do and not hurt each other. They, yeah. they could repeatedly do. I guess is the and best. That, that's why I, I think I've been able to like really like it because like as I started to see the big picture, um, I understood there was a big picture from the first time like Eric really choked me like he he slap bumps me and then he put his ning- fingers on my neck and then I couldn't breathe um, and it was like so quick and so effortless and like I was just like I can't I can't be comfortable with guys like this being able to do this on command like that that's fucked up <laughs> um, I didn't know what to do like I was gonna die you know he could have killed me there if he wanted you have to realize though I drove to like what I consider the middle of nowhere Missouri for this like this guy to just <laughs> put my life in his hands and now I know he can just take it whenever he wants right fuck well, is that but you know, <laughs> the, i think the cool thing for you to maybe hear would be that you're kind of doing that to other people now 
yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I appreciate that. Like, I have that's one of the things I enjoy a lot about jujitsu is like I look inconspicuous in it to some extent. Like, I don't look like I should be able to do a lot of the things that I do, um, especially without getting super tired. And I have, uh, I'm in a lot better shape than I look like I am. Um, and that's something I really enjoy out of it. You know, like it's, my expectations were a lot lower when I started jujitsu than what they are now. Um, and that's something I really enjoy about it. You know, I like, I know everyone learns stuff every day, but I, I still feel like I really learn things every day. Um, especially when I put a lot of intention in that day into learning, like Saturdays and Sundays, I, I generally get a, a, I generally learn a pretty decent amount. Um, and you know, obviously all during the week during drilling and stuff, like you, you learn an awful lot and you get to ask questions. Um, but you, I get to go kind of experiment work those questions and right. see, right. see what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in those reactions. And it's getting in the lab, dude. Yeah. That's, um, oh. <laughs> and I, I try to like add things along the lines of the other things I'm doing and it's grown into this, like, it's like a, it, I think about it like a matrix that I haven't at all attempted to write down or map, but I saw that there is an app that is attempting to like, basically map jujitsu like you go put in all of your stuff and i'm sure they're using the data and they're going to go put it all together and eliminate like all of the doubles and you know map jujitsu in like a matrix i'm assuming is the goal and it'll for, for the way i think i think that'll be so we can teach robots no thank you ai version of it you know you're no here, these are your thank bed, you like, these are your options and then like percentage wise like what are your best options from there and i bet you like once AI learns jujitsu, it'll nope. be able to go back and go watch all of the like footage and go put all of that together. I don't know anything about that stuff, but I I, I believe it. That's so that's terrifying. <laughs> it's the end of the world, then like, that's for sure. You have a ninety nine percent chance of doing this from here versus you know, doing that from there. Yeah, yeah. well, it's yeah, repeatable. And I if you can do it person to person with their like footage, it can like then it's gonna get crazy. Like and that like that's gaming a match kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I would assume pretty. that's gonna eventually change like how uh, all combat works in general so how I mean, probably is, football and everything works in general well so probably come kind of in jujitsu why the army developed the asymmetric warfare group it's always a dynamic thing right like i can tell you jujitsu from when i had my first gracie clinic back in the mid 90s when they came up and i got murdered by a brown belt he has a black belt in my school in front of my students it's and they different. were it's it's evolved so much though because yeah. I'll tell you right now, the blue belts we have in our gym would have put the boots to their upper belts, no problem. I that's not even a question. I've noticed when I go to like schools that are older, because um, I travel, I used to travel more, I haven't been traveling a lot at work lately, but when I do go on the road, I go to other gyms, um, and I, I've been to a, a, a fair amount of gyms for someone that's not been training for you know a very long time and i find that the a lot of those schools that have been around a long time have like what i assume is old jujitsu because like i have a lot of success with their upper belts there and like you know um you went into a room with 50 people and every single person knew your, your name when you left right um and it's like it's it just because they didn't really understand what you were doing. And that that's something that I really appreciate about the game is like 
I don't want to say it's infinite because I doubt anything's all that like infinite. People's games aren't going to be able to change a super ton after at a certain point, right? And I'm not the person that's going to really draw that line. Um, but I have to assume we're probably really reaching with heel hooks and wrist locks, you know? Um, like, how much worse does it get? And like shit like buggy jokes. Like, how, where else are they going to pop up, you know? Who knows, um, man? Till somebody figures out one path or got one yeah, detail. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It's like how, how many more can be added, and I, I, I don't know that that's infinite. Just the, I don't know, but here's but context. it loops infinitely. I want yeah, you, it loops infinitely. I want you sure. to think about this. So, do you know how ju- Brazilian Jiu Jitsu came about? I used to talk about this when I teach modern army combatives. No. So originally, Jiu Jitsu is what the samurai would use when they lost their weapons on the field of battle, right? And you had, you definitely had arm bars and like chokes, but it's more like we're going to crush your throat, more what like karate, the ninja shit you're talking about, right? Well, then, and I'll probably fuck the name up, but basically, there was a Japanese instructor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but he moved down to Brazil. He started training the Gracie family. And uh, I'm fucking this up. Old man Gracie, who passed, right? The, the original. Grandfather of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, he was the smallest brother who was trained. And he started modifying techniques they were being taught to work for him because he was the smallest one in the family. And he was telling his brother, who was the main coach at the gym, hey, so I've been teaching these other people this thing. I think maybe we should start modifying these things this way. And his brother was basically like, shut the fuck up, whatever. And finally he said, all right, fine. If you can tap out these other black belt or this other black belt in two minutes or whatever it was... Maybe we'll start entertaining it. He tapped out everybody really fast because he applied principles of leverage, frames, all these other things. He figured out these details, and it became a thing. And that's how Gracie Jiu-Jitsu kind of got differentiated from, at least to my understanding, what I was told to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And then you, if you even you look at the evolution of 10th Planet, Eddie Bravo was, he was a uh, Hegan Machado, or uh, Jean-Jacques, Jean-Jacques Machado, he's one of his guys, and he still is, right, it's his legacy, but he was looking at MMA, like the rubber guard, that's where that came from, how do we control posture and pressure and do these things, and it was like, holy shit, it worked in this environment, well, guess what, now it works in like all these environments, you know, and leg, like you said, leg locks and heel hooks and all this stuff, right, that used to be like, you didn't mess with that because when the Sambo guys came in, they were banning that. They were like, no, this is a problem. You know, so combat, if you think about like that context over time, you're talking like the 15, 1600s in feudal Japan, dudes with swords who are like, hey, we need to know something if we lose our sword. Yeah. And I don't really look at jujitsu as combat, right? Like, especially the way I play it. If someone my size were on top of me trying to hurt me, what I'm doing is probably not the best idea. I very much so look at it as like a game. Now, could I use it against someone that's like completely untrained and has no idea like how to really fuck me up quickly? Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. What you're doing, right, is for the game. Yeah. But I'm you very conscious of what I'm, I'm doing. Right. But you know what to do because Jitsu has the ability to deal with said guy your size on top of For you. For sure. And you, you're you capable enough to yeah. flip the switch and say, okay, I need to do something different. I'm not playing the game, a game here. I need there's to certainly take... a, game, a gameism to yeah. it, but yeah, that's absolutely. why we cross-train in combatives. 
and do these other things. Yeah. You know, like we've talked about it on here before. You know, you blend, but blending those things, they they can still cross contaminate. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So. Um, and there is like always that thought, but it's just not. I don't. For me, like, is the juice worth the squeeze? I'm like, really. I, I get too addicted to things. So like looking at jujitsu like a fight, I'm going to want to start fighting. And then like, <laughs> it's just a whole slippery slope from there. You know, I, I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. But you still have some, you still have some serious, tangible, measurable skills. Yeah. You know for what sure. I mean? I mean, like I love what I do and I, you know, I, I, I get a kick out of learning. Like I, I, I really do. Um, I, 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 I get a kick out of the people I meet and like, I, I, I get a kick out of like literally forcing it to be a game. Um, and not the last competition I did, but like two ago, like I asked the dude if he was greasing while we were rolling and he was like, he got all mad for a second. And I just was like smiling and laughing. He goes, you're kidding. And then he just like put his head back down. On, like I just felt him die a little bit. And that just, it, it's so fun. Right. So, um, Has it given you a different perspective on, people in general 100 percent. i i'm terrible i size people up so much by how they like physically are presenting themselves um it's it's bad like i assume so many things (laughs) (laughs) i would just seminary roll you (laughs) in the not even that it's just like how they feel about it and then like i notice when it comes up with people like you can tell some people are getting like insecure about their inability to like do something like that um and they start talking about weapons and you posted something about it yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah him and i share um, that all the time <laughs> it's so and funny yeah that's the answer to everybody i'll just like, go no, get a gun like, i put on spandex and like get sweaty with a bunch of dudes and pull on their feet <laughs> right <laughs> for sure <laughs> for sure if he has a gun on his hip he can um he can uh kill me like for sure Hundred <laughs> percent right. of the time, um, maybe not. I don't know. Then we all train with guns, so that kind of nullifies that. Yeah, uh, but Eminari roll stops everything. I don't know. Eminari roll <laughs> everything. I, Done. I knew it was something. Just wrist locking. So here's something I would like to share, though, because in and this is kind of just like um, a little bit of just accolades for you. But I was watching the last competition, and when I was watching you roll. I really found a lot of inspiration into wanting to train and wanting to change the way that I train a little bit. And I think that one of the most uncomfortable positions for me from somebody who's done MMA for a while and has a little bit more of a wrestling base is I like top position and I don't like being on my back and I'm not comfortable there. And what I realized, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, anyway, I mean, sometimes I'm there. Uh, anyway, private. gentle private. eye contact or crest, whatever. But um, when I watched you the other day, I realized that because you started completely submissive to your approach of jiu-jitsu and outcome independent, you've learned to develop this defense system to where it doesn't matter how bad the situation is, nobody can just really kill you. And then when they can't kill you, and you do get into a dominant position, it's demoralizing. And that's what I'd watch. I'd watch these guys, they get so excited, and they get in there, and they're trying to just murder you. And then a few minutes later, after unsuccessfully trying to murder you, they start to go. And then you start to transition. And then it starts to go. And then just it's like you just like a like a like a snake. You just watch it slowly suck the life out of it. And it's like, man, what a thing of beauty. And it made me go, 
I need to get better at being in that submissive position. I need to get better at losing. I need to be comfortable there because if nobody can kill me, then how are they going to stop me when I come out of that? Yeah. And man, that just I found that so inspiring. Yeah, and when I when I like first started, I used to lose all the time cuz like I realized quickly I didn't want to really wrestle. That's when I was like getting hurt and didn't feel good and like stuff was likely to happen. It's also dangerous to your training partners to some extent and like yeah. There's not like a lot of reason for me to learn how to like actually wrestle for jiu-jitsu in general like um, for me, yeah, I, it's I going to the I, ground anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's going to the ground and I'm going to get flipped over, it, you know, and like, I have interest in learning jujitsu, like jujitsu wrestling now, especially, but like in the doses that I need it. And, you know, um, I feel like a lot of people really put a lot of focus on that in their gyms to their, uh, more novice students. And that wasn't really, um, <clears throat> put the forefront for me when, especially when I, it wanted to start playing from my back. And I think something that helped me was that I was bigger than most of the people in my gym. And I felt like somewhat of a bully trying to start on top of them. You know, that's not, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and it taught me to kind of develop a game from there because like at a certain point you want to stop pushing people off of you. So you want to start like playing the game from there. And it, it, it helped me build up from there. And I got really comfortable being on my back and I, I pulled, pulled guard you know tons of times and I, I started to realize that i can beat people by letting them think they're beating me and i i just have to learn where they're going and be prepared for what they want to do to me and there's as we talked there's like paths from everywhere and like they, there's only a couple of options for most of them and knowing those options and being prepared for them to take one of those options and being ahead of that option i think in jujitsu you know you can be ahead of someone where it looks like you're behind um mm -hmm. and that's that's a lot of how I play because I'm not going to be physically that guy that that goes out there and like has uh, wars of attrition with people and beats them in wars of attrition. Like I'm not not physically, but I might be able to get them to do that with me and then you know get it to a level where I can do it with them. So you, um, you say the not physically, and I'll give you props for this because you've lost a lot of weight, right? You've obviously gotten yeah. better. Your gas tank's gotten more full. Have you thought about any more deliberate conditioning or anything? Um, I mean, I'm just so addicted to the game and I don't really see a lot going wrong right now. I, I do some band exercises to try to take care of my joints. That's a great idea. Um, Trust but I, me. I see, um, I see the most result in playing the game. Um, for that, I get really bored, like working out other ways. I, I hate mm -hmm. it. I don't want to do it. Um, the game does it for me. I like riding the ball before the gym. I wish I could get in there a little bit earlier and, and, and ride well, it for a little that's, bit. That's what I wanted to comment on is from someone who does roll against you competitively, um, I think the thing that I struggle with the most isn't your size. It's your flexibility and your agility and your balance. Because you can do things at your size. That like, you, like you were just lot, mentioning, you sit yeah. cross-legged on a on a what do you call those a yoga ball, a yoga yoga ball, ball yeah. and balance yourself and and how much do you weigh sir <laughs> i weigh like 250 260 pounds okay and so that's an incredible feat i cannot do that and when you're rolling against you your flexibility and your agility is really surprising and that creates the problems for me because it's like oh my goodness and then you match that with your overall skill level and then it and it compiles itself and it gets snowballed real quickly yeah and like you know, um, 
I don't. I just love the game. I always think there's somewhere else to go. Uh, and I lost. I lost so much when I when I first started. Like I just lost and lost and have, lost and lost. Have you always been this flexible, or is flexibility never, something that it you was worked never something on? Something I like. It's definitely something I worked on, but I think especially for someone that looks like me, I have. Uh, I think I clearly have more of a ability than than like someone that averagely did from the day I walked in. Um, and I, I wasn't super aware of it when I first started. And then when I started to stretch, I, I started to recognize it a little bit. Like, um, I can do, my legs have great dexterity. Um, I, and I've been able to learn to use that to my advantage from like different angles and, and, and points. Um, I feel like my legs turn out more than your average person. Yeah. Your hip, mo- your hip mobility is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I struggle a lot. The um, the better mobility people have, the harder that is. To I think you with. downplay your athleticism though. A hundred percent. I didn't really know how athletic I was until like I was thirty. So like, what am I supposed to do? Like, talk like I'm an athlete. You are an I, athlete. I, I, I know. I know I'm an athlete now. Like mm-hmm. I am. Um, but like, it's not the way I what I used to think of an athlete and like the realistic that the reality of being one or like I, I don't know it's just it was like a reserve term for me for something that i was not you know well mm-hmm. you have uh, um, stereotypes yeah right? exactly mm-hmm. um and i never but they, i like, never had anything i really liked being competitive about like even wrestling like i wasn't super competitive about it like i was okay with losing in jujitsu like i'm not okay with losing um like i mean i i am okay with it but like i don't want it to i'm not you don't want to lose but i'm you're... never going into a match man like I can lose. This is fine. Really? No. Like I no, no. I did not know that. <laughs> on the, so you on, you're saying competition wise. You. you don't get that at all. Competition wise, uh, in the gym, yeah. there's dudes I'm gonna slap bump, and I'm like, I know this is gonna go terrible, and I that's where I'm here to learn. Like, um, you know, there's 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 those times too, and like, there's times even with people where I don't think it's gonna go terrible, I'm like, oh shit, he almost fucking got me, and you know, um. Like it, it depends on the situation you're in. Sometimes you're gonna give it to that guy. Sometimes you're gonna be like, I, I'm going to take it to the fullest extent of my jujitsu before my arm gets hurt here. Um, for me, like I feel like the the weakest part of my game is like I'm susceptible to giving up my arms, mostly because my shoulders are weak and this keeping my arms to my body is a, a position that's difficult for me, especially in the game I like to play. If we're if I get a little bit behind, um, that's mm. gonna be the last thing that hits my body typically is because I'm, I'm bigger, so I'm using my arms to move my body, not just my abs and my back and my legs. So sometimes I feel like they those get they get behind. Um, and that's where people can, can capitalize pretty well on me, whether it's a, a Kimura on, like, a, a transition or an armbar um, from, like, a transition. That, that's where I get caught the most. Um, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> Eric likes to attack me with wrist locks. Um, Eric has a way of... <clears throat> It's player. hard to challenge my cardio um, for a lot of people, especially people his size. And Eric knows everything about everything I'm going to do, and he'll just constantly attach wrist locks and get me tired, and I'll just be like, whatever. You just kill me, okay? <laughs> just, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I understand how this works. <laughs> well, like you said, you got to be okay with things that you can't do anything about. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, there's there's guys out there that, like, I like search for like a, a dude at O'Fallon is like, I just want to lay underneath him until I can get on top of him. Like I know this Orlando, like he's just, 
he can hold me down like nobody holds me down. Like I can't even I'm not saying I can get up from everyone. I'm saying like I can move just about anyone like that that I roll with regularly. Like just about everyone moves when I start making movements. This guy doesn't budge. And if he does, it's just to make this micro movement that just makes it so much worse. And he like <laughs>, laughs and it's effortless to him. And it's the most confusing thing. Eric's used the term extra gravity before, and that guy has it. Like, I just, I don't, it, I, I, I need to figure out how to, like, move him and, like, get up to his hips. Like, there's just, I, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. Um, the first time I rolled with him, I had never seen him before. And I was like, oh, you know, he's, like, an inconspicuous-looking guy like me. And I was like, oh, he probably just started. Like, this is going to be a really easy round. And... You know, I pulled guard, slap bumped him. He was like super nice, and he just like just did whatever he wanted to me. And this was, you know, not that long ago. And like, you know, I've I've, I've like built some confidence. Like, not a lot of people just grab me and do whatever they want to me. So that's um, that was that's kind of the hanging in my head. Your perspective of other people. That's sort of what I meant. Where are you at in your journey as to looking at other people and knowing most people don't know shit, and also. You never know. Where are you yeah. at with that? I mean, like, you know you never know, right? But I'm also in, like, a small community. I travel to, like, obviously my home gym's at Crystal City. And, you know, I, I travel to, like, specific gyms. So, like, I know most of the guys in that pool, right? I mean, walking around. Like, in your daily life. Oh, like, walking around, around, I think I can eat everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. I think I can eat every single person I see. Like, I, the odds of them, like, being, like, a, a pretty well-trained martial artist is not that high. So, I'm like, oh. It's low, but if I'm, you, I'm like, at the worst well, case, they know how to box. Take like, Eric's. Heel take up. Eric's. If I run into a black belt, he might let me tap out. Right. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Take Eric's cauliflower ear away. You run into a guy um, his size. Well, I'm not even I say that. My Look, you're in a lot of people. Here, well, we're talking yeah, no, about perceptions. Like, aren't very good too. at jujitsu. Yeah, we're it's talking true. about perceptions. I'll brag on Larry a little bit, but I use Larry as the example in my Muay Thai program. So I always have people whenever they start Muay Thai at Tenth Planet, they'll ask me if I can only do one, what should I do? And I tell them all the same thing: jujitsu. And they say, "Why?" And I said, "Cause." I said, "You see that guy over there?" And Larry will always be sitting in the corner. And I said, "Have you seen me and him walk into a bar?" And we were going to start having an altercation. There was going to be a fight that was going to occur. I said, who do you think is going to win that fight? And they all say the same thing. Well, yeah, okay. I was like, he would murder me. (laughs) I was like, let's be very clear. If I don't knock him out very quickly, if he gets a hold of me, I'm a dead man. There is no winning that fight for me. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll say this. I'm not super hard to knock out if I'm a little tired. I know that. Um, But... You're gonna have to get me a little tired quick, or just hit that really good shot really quickly. Cause exactly. If I, if I get a hold of something, that's I'm gonna hold it. <laughs> right. And there's no getting out of that. I because no. you can get on top of me, and, and it feels helpless. Like, and I, it's hard to move. It's hard to do anything. Yeah, Larry's the person I choose to make me suffer. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I guess I'm gonna suffer today. Let's go, Larry. Like, um, I need it. And you know. Oh, I feel so good when I'm on top though, because he'll let me move around, and I feel like, oh, I'm really doing something, and then I get swept, and then it just goes downhill. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, like, uh, you make me smile because, like, that's what I want to do. Like, I just love like it works every time. It's like cheat codes. Like, I just love it. Like, that's how I look at the game. Is just like, all right, fuck it. We're 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 changing it now. Um, and I'll pull their foot out from underneath them, or I'll like roll on my shoulder and mm-hmm. yank their foot in the other direction. I'm like. Yeah. My, I want to get good at leg locks because I just don't look like I should be good at it. And I'm starting to understand one side, well, really, like, one position a little bit. 
and you know, I want to to be able to go through the transitions and like really understand where I am and not just try to like look for the ones I, I feel confident in. Um, and that's kind of how half guard like started for me. And half guard is like a big circle of options for me. Like if I get half guard in any way, shape or form, I have a lot of different options from there. Um, and I get excited when I get there and like, I, I feel super confident that I can stay safe there if I'm feeling like healthy with just about anyone. Um, and you know, except for when it gets to the people that are just like, I don't know what to do with them. Um, <laughs> you know, and the, I, I just want to be able to like, feel like that in all positions, you know? Um, I know like people feel like I have a, a really good mount, but I, 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 at least in my gym anyway, I don't feel like I, I have like a super high skill level there. I kind of have a, a, an okay skill level at staying there, but not at attacking from there. I feel like. Right. Um, yeah. You need to climb more. Yeah. I feel like you need to get better at that walk up and you'd be good. Cause um, you can, I can get half guard back I, whenever I, we go, but you, you're, you stay over the hips in yeah. too much. I like holding people's down from their hips a lot more than their shoulders uh-huh um because i feared really when i get really high on really good dudes they leg lock me they flip upside down and grab my fucking leg <laughs> so it's like a, a whole circle of of death and you know i know if i'm pretty square on someone most people don't come up unless they're like monstrous humans and I don't mind getting pulled back into half guard because I'm probably just going to pass again and go back into the mount and well, we're going to get sick of it that way. You know? I think in the mm. highest levels, that's what you see though, right? Like if you watch any of the high level matches, you don't see a lot of straight pins. No. You know what I mean? And they, it's because everybody I mean, knows their game and they're also not getting in a pinned position. They end up in these weird transitional spaces. Yeah, a lot of like three quarter guards and turtles Ye and... Yep. Um, those places or know, knee shield knee shields yeah yep. um, and that's where you know it, it, it's like diving attacks from those positions a lot of times that like finish big matches mm -hmm. um, so do you see jujitsu then being a lifelong pursuit for you at this point as long as my body can handle it and it's fi doing fine right now so as long as my body can handle it yeah and how um, old are you now I'm gonna be 32 in a month okay and when how old were you when you started training I was 30 30 yep okay so oh man you're young I, yeah, I don't think I'm young, but um, as long as my body can handle it, <laughs> I will do it. Well, you know, young is a mindset. I'm, like, super addicted to it unless, like, something crazy comes up out of somewhere and takes over, but I don't really see that happen. I'm, I'm more complete the obsessions than, like, you know, not necessarily complete, but, like, get to a level that's satisfactory for me and, like, level of satisfactory is, at, like... At what point do you plan on starting to expand your training into other things? Do you plan on getting back into boxing or doing Muay Thai or, or getting into MMA or any other type of cross-training? No, I want to I wanna focus on jiu-jitsu. Um, I want to try to win, like, some sort of, like, major competition. Um, I plan on trying to do Worlds at the end of this year. I don't really consider master's worlds at like blue belt a major competition but it's a step in that direction um i want to uh eventually learn to teach um i have an aspiration to like eventually learn to teach and ma maybe make some sort of space of my own one day um i really appreciate what goes on in the gyms and i would like to like 
Um, pay it forward kind of thing. Yeah, and like it's just, um, I, I I don't even look at it pay it forward. It's it's totally selfish. I, I I want a gym for myself so like I can, you know, have that space. Like like you know what I'm saying like Eric has, and not that I dislike going to other people's gyms. I love other people's gyms, but um, I'm not super like comfortable in Missouri. I don't know if I'll live here forever. So like I I know that what eric's built here and you know the other places that i visit doesn't necessarily exist everywhere um and i think eventually one day i can uh hopefully confidently um attribute to something like that yeah so you're gonna expand out and start your own community somewhere else you know exactly Um, and you're gonna build this network yeah and it's gonna Um, be amazing and you know we'll we'll see where it goes. And, and right now it's very infantile, and I don't I don't have any rushes in doing anything like that. But um, so, what aspirations do you have in your cannabis career? Oh, that sounds so shitty. I've done everything I didn't think I could do. I've won cannabis cups. I've won cash prizes. I've, I've got like all of my dream jobs. I've worked with all of my you know quote unquote heroes. I've the, the, the dude that I thought was the greatest thing ever is one of my best friends in the world. Like I, I like I don't, I don't know what am I gonna do. Like I, I, I this <laughs> weeds you, weeds finished. Like have you I, thought I'm about very being the next guy though? You already talked about the people way smarter than me figuring it out, solving the problems. Oh no, I don't want to do anything like that. I'm, I don't, I don't want to solve people's problems. I want to like get high at the best level. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're doing that. So I'm not really like. <laughs> <laughs> concerned well speaking of that what was the stuff that you gave me to smoke that's alien rock candy that's one of my favorite strains from proper for sure i actually want some to roll up that's what i smoked on this is amazing um and yeah um i got a grinder and stuff oh okay okay um but yeah the uh that was a strain from the store that we all worked at in denver and um it's great. It really is. Sour what, dub, uh, what is it about the high that you like? How it's, would you explain this? Um, it's just really potent. You know what I'm saying? It, it will allow you to be like that that couch-locked high that, that people talk about, right? Like, I feel like that's a choice. Like, every weed I smoke is the, the couch-lock weed. And I go to jujitsu and get sweaty and choke people and, you know, get choked and throw my legs behind my bed and my head and ride a ball. And, like, it's not... Mind over matter is like a very real thing, you know. Um, and I use it because like I love it. I love how it makes me feel. It's definitely been one of the things that's introduced all of the good things to my life. Um, and you know, it's given me a sense of belonging in times where I didn't necessarily really have it. Um, you know, yeah, it's great. I just. <laughs> I, 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 well, there isn't much else I'm to say. I'm not great at expressing myself in that way. Like, I just, hey, that's no, all right, man. Uh, You're doing a great job. Yeah, I think you said it great. You know, it is about something that you had a passion about, and, and yeah, like making high level hash was something I was like really obsessive about to like a, a like a like a like a dangerous point. Um, and you know, uh, I was lucky, like I super lucky. I can't say how lucky I was, especially with like the hash thing. Just like the people I met, the times I met them, where I was, like it was all right. Um, and you know, I've never wanted to like be publicly like facing or known or anything like that. Um, and now, 
I'm attempting to like see if there's value in that for me. Um, and I don't know if there is or there isn't. So how, how is that? What what exactly you're t- you talking about? Like an imposter syndrome or no? You know, no. How, how do you mean that? <laughs> no, in the weed industry, like there's a lot of big personalities, just like there can be in anything. Like there's great chefs you've never heard of, you know. Um, and it's 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 all about like what they've wanted to present, right? And and the I often look at it as like a, a humility in what they're doing. If you're not like being out there like I'm the biggest, I'm the best, whatever whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Um, people often aren't going to know that you are out there, right? Um, and that's how people often like measure things up is what they see the most and who is being the loudest. And uh, you know, so, you, so you're struggling or you're can, you're dealing with the idea of self promotion. Yeah. How to how to position yourself, how to promote yourself best within the industry, creating a persona for I, your I, I wouldn't say I'm so struggling with it, right? Because it's something I never had any interest in doing. You're figuring out if you're, it, trying to, you're figuring out if it should be viable for you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And like um if, you know, my cuz like I I I've said like I you know, I have a really good situation where I work and um the the ultimate goal is to like do something completely your own with like from like just like a grain of sand you know um that's the type of perfection that i want to like put into something and i i I don't like the term perfection but i i i I seek for something else besides like i know i can't do anything perfectly there is no there there is no perfect you can always push that envelope like super minute amounts but like like i said to a certain point weed is done um you're gonna see new strains pop up but they're gonna be combinations of things you've seen and you're gonna see you know, quote unquote, new extracts pop up, but they're going to be things that have already existed that no one wants for certain reasons. Um, and you know, you're you're not going to see like really high quality flower get better. It's not going to happen. You might get it. It might get better to the masses, but like the best is going to be revered as the best, and that 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 is what it is. Um, you know, like. Like proper can put out some really high quality flour for the masses, um, and they can get it to the point where it is the best, right? But like, it's only going to be um, so good, like that, and that's what it is. That's what weed is, and then it's just about the the flavor profiles you like and, and what you want. Just well, just like, like you were talking about, like with like, alcohol I, like food, food isn't going to get right. better. Like yeah. food doesn't some get point better. Whiskey doesn't be get better. Levels. There is no right. new whiskey. If there is, it's just a new brand of whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's not a new style. Yeah, it just like, comes down to exclusivity, yeah. and then you get in a niche versus you know mass market or exactly. domestic, right? Yeah, um, I understand all that. And then, you know, it really <clears> just comes down to like cash flow and things like that at that point. Like that's just not what I like to fixate on. You know, it's just not not a. I I don't like measurables like that. That's not what it's about. It never has been for me. Um, you know, when I open a, a gym, for example, like being the biggest gym is not like any sort of uh, measure. Having the funnest gym might be. <laughs> so you're you know. so you would say that your pursuit, your measure of success, is personal happiness. For sure, like being happy is definitely my goal, and you know. Um, well, I couldn't think of anything more successful than that. Yeah, like I'm not super rich. I'm not poor. Um, I, I'm content, and like I think contentness is the closest thing that, to happiness. You're like that you can really ask for it. I think if I said I was happy, I might stop. You can't well, do see, that. <laughs> yeah, and we we associate negativity with that word content, but I think a better way to say no, that is con- balance. 
yeah, no, content is a great place to be. Like I am, this is what it is. And I'm okay with that. It's interesting that you say the word content is a great place to be. And yet you're still somebody so focused on being so much better at everything. Well, because great is not the best. And I want to be the best in the things that I do. And life is an unfortunate card I was dealt that I have to do. So you don't associate with the pursuit of being the best with not being content. No, you you can be content with where you're at, but the, the pursuit continues, you know, um, it doesn't stop. Like, Excellent. It, content isn't stagnation. No. Well, why, why should you have to be like upset to like push yourself? And like, honestly, that's something jujitsu has helped me a lot. Cause like I used to really negatively motivate myself. Like I can't, I can't, I can't. And you know, I'm not really so much like that anymore. Um, I, I very much so positively motivate myself, and it took a long time to like crack that egg for me, but like it, it definitely has has helped, and you know, especially in like competition, like the way I talk to myself in competition is wild. Like I wish that guy was around all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, I'm so in my head, like having straight conversations with myself, and the words coming out of my mouth, I can't believe it. Like it just, I'm able to completely shut off and just pay attention to so many things um and talk shit at the same time well that's part of it right like <laughs> yeah. that's that's what i mean like the words coming out of my mouth while i'm doing what i'm doing like i'll be talking to the ref about how wrong he is while i'm pulling someone's foot out from underneath them and looking at eric like did you just see that <laughs> <laughs> um and you know that shit like i i I know it's great. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I have been something I, I struggle with like anxiety going into these competitions. Like I've, om- I've thrown up after matches. I've almost thrown up during matches. Um, I've thrown up the day before matches, the day of matches. Like I wasn't sick. I just like, uh, I, I saw like a video. Someone says like my anxiety is here. I was like, mine is too. Like you feel it like here. Um, and I, uh, I try to like recognize that you know um, that is my body going into getting ready to do something that is out of the ordinary right and no matter how many times I do it it's still out of the ordinary people don't just go like throw their bodies at each other as hard as they can for a while and even though that's not you, what I'm doing you do it every day I it's different, dude. When you get these guys in competition, like I know, they're they're on so much pre workout and whatever else, like, <laughs> and like, um, they're like ready, and like some of them will like muscle through shit. That you're just like, I can't believe that just happened. Um, and you know, it's like it's a nerve wracking thing to some extent. And something I like tell myself a lot is like, the winner's gonna win, and like winners win. And I often like think of myself as a winner versus a loser who thinks of their self as a loser. Right. And, um, even when you do lose a match, it doesn't make you a loser. It's just the, um, in that situation, that guy was the winner. He was better than you. You know what I'm saying? And and you have to be able to leave knowing that like, I'm not going to lose I lost a match like in September to someone I know I was so much better than. And that like, drove me nuts for like weeks. Like I went into the next O'Fallon competition ready to eat somebody. I was like foaming at the mouth. Um, for me, you know, 
Um, and that, that moment like taught me that like, if I'm going to do this, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to half ass anything and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to lose to myself. That's just not acceptable to me. I'm not going to lose to myself. I'm going to lose to people better than me, which is totally fine, but I'm not going to lose to myself. Um, and that's really important to me because like that's letting yourself down and that's like a really stupid thing. Like there's no, there's no reason. There's no rhyme. Like I told myself when I saw that person, I was like, I can't beat this guy. (laughs) But you know what? Everything that you just said for the last two minutes has been exceptional. Most people can't do that. You made such a dismissive thing about how, Everybody would just, nobody's going to talk shit to themselves. That's exactly the opposite. Most people's internal voice is terrible. Most people's internal voice is the worst thing ever. When that person loses, that destroys them from the inside out. It's not the external pressure. Well, like I said, losing did, did like really hurt me. Like Eric drove back like three hours to me or whatever. And I was just like, I can't believe I just let that guy beat me like that. Like I wasn't happy at all about the other matches. Like, and I had a lot of good stuff happen in those matches, but like. That but was the first time I was able to like go do. But my the way shit. that you were able to change um, that narrative internally and use that as something positive to grow from, yeah, that is where the difference starts for sure. And you know, trying to grow and like I've been to therapy multiple times in my life where like the therapist was like, "I think you know what to do. I don't think you need to see me anymore." Um, and I, I, I've always had an ability to be like introspective to some extent, right? I've always been very concerned with like my my personal uh happiness right i didn't really worry about being like weird like i mean i did to some extent but not like um in a super concerning way and i didn't i didn't worry about what like you cared more about what honestly made you happy than what everybody else yeah and i always try to and like i i was uh i was kind of an out there kid to some extent and like i grew up super overweight and that can be like a a weird thing as a kid um you know like people can kids are dicks that's an exceptional quality all in its own and that's one um, that most people don't have i struggle with that most of my life i'd be I, i live most of my life caring so much about what other people think that that week it was that was crippling to me because it really does change. There's not a lot of people who have the ability to truly embrace what it is that they want in the face of knowing that it's going to be perceived by everyone else in an, in an unkind way. I didn't think it's embracing there, it even. I think it's more figuring it out because of the outside stimulus. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have a clue what they actually want because they can't introspectively figure it out because they're bombarded by pressure and everything else. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, so. and I mean, my dad is the type of guy that had like constantly high expectations of me. Um and I never, and like, I didn't meet those expectations a lot, you know? Um, and I dealt with like how he dealt with that and I didn't respond to it very well. Um, and learning through life how to motivate yourself and how to do that type of thing has value, right? And I think, I mean, I, I really think in the past two years, jujitsu has helped me grow a lot. Um, my, my boss at work would really agree with that too. Like, like I said, I used to yell at people and I used to, I used to be different and, you know, um, I credit a lot to jujitsu and like moving away from everyone I knew 
to somewhere where I didn't know a single person and having to succeed was something that was, you know, really valuable to me when I was younger, when I moved to Denver, when I was like 21. Um, and going out there and just like doing the thing, um, that was, you know, uh, huge for me and getting out there and just, uh, finding my way and getting an apartment and like starting a really low level job and, and doing, doing that type of thing. Um, you know, it, it, it just forcing yourself to be uncomfortable, which I didn't really necessarily recognize I was doing and then allows you to be much more comfortable with your situation. And I think we're often, um, shown things that are like very materialistic and unrealistic. And I'm, I'm a materialistic person and I hate that. Um, but like we're, we're conditioned to be that way. And, you know, um, working towards it in small steps to, to fix those certain things can be, can be valuable to you. Um, and I, I, I've learned that and like, I'm materialistic and like, you know, ways that I find disgusting. I know in the grand spectrum it's not, but like, you know, just started 300 rash guards. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like an addiction. I don't have 300, but I have, I got about 40. You know what? There's no, I'm there's I'm actively there's no, there's no limit on happiness because like I've I've realized that I've spent more a lot of the money I've spent has not developed skill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, you hey, if it every makes you happy. What does it matter? Come with a cheat code. <laughs> I mean, some of them are shiny and do. Right. I'm pretty sure that a few of those rash cards make you better. Um, there's a, I mean, I wear the same one to compete every single time. I'm kind of like a mildly superstitious person like that. You know, I grew up playing baseball and like there's things like, you know, I had a glove that I like. So I used for way that too rash long. guard. Yeah, I wash my rash guards. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm oh a freak God. about my my cleaning habits because I I was paranoid about staff and then I got staff and then staff like ate my back and then um Ooh. I don't want to deal with it anymore and I I like to frequent a gym that is pretty well known for its staff. So like I I I I may our gym. I may Thank no 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 it's just where I train on Sunday nights and they have you know the whole room is just guys foaming at the mouth ready to kill you. And you know, some of them are really really high level and some of them are just feral humans and it it's, it, it is a great place but they have um there's people that don't take care of certain things and it's not the gym it's the people and they're very welcoming and opening and it's just it's just a, a social situation there they really call it's more of like a social economic situation that causes a staff there than anything else um because like some of those kids can't go wash their gi like they don't have the they don't have a laundromat they don't mm-hmm. have three dollars they don't have they don't have soap like that they, they don't have it right. um <laughs> And that's changing to some extent, but I'm paranoid about it in particular. And um, uh, so I I wash my rash guards like crazy when I get home. It mainly started as a joke because there was the baseball reference. Yeah. (laughs) You're lucky Um, rash guard. (laughs) Yeah. But like I I try to always wear the same one when I compete. And um, I don't know, just in my head, I I think about it like that. Hey, I'm scared. I was thinking about changing it up this weekend, but I don't think I'm going to. Fair. Yeah, it works. It's okay. Superstition, nothing wrong with that. I like wearing the outlandish stuff, especially looking like I look because it's um psychological. People just like are like, what is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> um 
the first time I met Eric, Calvin like yanked at him and said, "What is that?" <laughs> yep. And uh, winning. Yeah, now you're Larry. Yeah, exactly. He called me Barry. <laughs> Barry. Barry. <laughs> you kind of look like a bear. I look like. He just called me Barry. Like. What's he, up, Barry? Yeah. Yep. He's the man. Um. I don't know. I find your outlook pretty inspirational. Oh, I, I mean, appreciate it. You know, the way I, that you, you put some things together, like I related to your story with my dad. My dad was a perfectionist, and he raised me to be a perfectionist. And yeah. He had a very negative way of doing that. And when I grew yeah, up- Yeah, my dad's is pretty negative. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not like I had your, that negative internal voice. And his then dad's I had, was negative, too. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And like, it, it's just like uh, a growth pattern from there. And I don't ever really plan on having kids or anything like that, but like- um, you, know, you you would like to think you would do it differently, but I don't think the end result would be that differently because times change. Too right. Much no, me. I definitely pass that on to my kids because it was a little bit later in life and only until the last couple of years that I really started to correct that. Yeah. And when I corrected my internal voice, then I found out, like like you were saying, I'm still a perfectionist. I still pursue perfection, but I do it from a positive place, not a negative. I don't beat myself up for it. I have grace. It's like It's like being a perfectionist with grace. You know, I give myself the space to be able to find improvement, to fail, to to learn, to do things that before I didn't. It was like, oh, if you fail, you're a failure, and you know, how dare you? And you know, second place is the worst loser. You know, and all this other yeah. stuff. And it's like, well, I mean, I do that feel like that when I get second place. Like, I, I I still feel that way, right? But as long as I know I lost to someone that was better than me, and like, um, you didn't I was second yourself. Yeah, like I was right. second place a few weeks ago. But I felt like basically everyone that watched that match knew who won the match. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I'm fine with that. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, a, a weird situation. And, like, I was in a gym in a high school competing for, like, a medal that was sprayed gold or a medal that was sprayed silver. I, I'm not going to, like, lose a moment of sleep over that, you know? Um, I was really happy with, like, how things went. I wish that people were more willing to engage with my bullshit sometimes. But like even that, (laughs) even that, though, what a great lesson, though, just to be able to put perspective on things. You know, a lot of people would see that failure and it wouldn't matter. They would treat that like it was a Super Bowl. Oh, some like to be able to put perspective on something. You go, you know what? This really isn't that. Oh, oh, don't you wish that youth sports parents would figure that out? Some people would hate that referee forever. And I looked at him. I was like, this is a 23 year old kid that has probably no idea what he where he is. And like, as far as like on the map, cause he just drove here from the middle of fucking Nebraska. Um, this is fucking second time doing it. Like he's probably a purple belt that's been training since he was 12. And you know, like, yeah, still a kid doesn't have authority yet. Doesn't yeah, feel confident. It, doesn't feel exactly. there's so many he's levels trying to, to like do it to the best of his ability. And you know, yeah. In my opinion, he, he, he still gets argued with though. He, he's still the ref. Yeah, for he's sure. Still gonna argue with but I'm not going to be like mad at him. Like, yeah. like when I'm talking shit to my training partners, like I'm not like, I don't mean any of the words oh, yeah. coming out of my mouth, but I'm I'm doing it. Yeah, like yeah. the, and that's what I've said about the shit talk and all that stuff. Like you feel my intention. Yeah, right. You know, like I'm hitting you with a cross face. You don't think Eric's an asshole. You're like, oh man, this asshole. Yeah, you know, like, like oh this guy's just being a dick. It's in not- the finals versus Zach on Saturday, he was literally like, we, he was tired and I wasn't, and he hasn't gotten to train a lot, so like. We both had a pretty solid idea of how it was going to go. And then when I got on top of him, I just started being mean to him. And he was like, you fucking asshole. But you doing it 100% out of love. And yeah. 100% like there's no yeah, like, I'm negative not, like, and there's like malicious intent there's like, in any way. Yeah. No. And I mean like putting your hand over someone's mouth versus like driving your elbow into their eye are different things. 
Um, Touche, uh, but yeah. but still, intention behind it matters. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, like, I still couldn't finish him. <laughs> it's true. Five minutes <laughs> isn't enough. Um, <laughs> five minutes does not does not cut it. I need seven and a half. Seven yeah, and a half. That's what she said too. Anyway, I need seven and a half. That's just unless they're really willing to give up. I need seven and a half for like someone good like Zach. Um, because I don't want to like, I don't want to go squeeze any submissions. That's not gonna work. He's gonna like end up on my back or something. Like I have to, mm-hmm. I have to get him to be willing to give up. <laughs> Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think that's what like most of it comes down to is like technique. I mean, joint locks and stuff. But like a, a lot of chokes, guys could stay in for an awful long time, but they're willing to give up. And like depending on how you have that choke on, like probably can't stay in there for long enough to put them up, put them out. You know. Right. Um, but then there's certain ones where it's like I can stay here all day. Like I don't care how long you try. Um, so it's just you know learning those things and, and getting better at them that will will change that. But like like at the end of Friday night I had Zach in an arm triangle and like I knew if I squeezed it for an hour <laughs> <laughs> this is eventually gonna work. But like I also knew like with the three seconds I had or whatever it was, that was not where I yeah, needed it to wasn't, be. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I was staying there because it, it was my best option in the moment. Mm. I was like, I didn't know it was going to go to overtime at that point. I thought it went to a judge's decision. I was like, I'm selling it. Look, I'm choking the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Watch. Um, oh. Good stuff, it, dude. Yeah. Is it time to go? I saw him poke you. No? Maybe I was wrong. No. Um, I have no idea. The captain's over there doing suspicious things. <laughs> um, what are we at on time? 137, what time is it? Almost five. Yeah, nine to five. So it's about time to wrap up. Cool. We're going to have to wrap this up, Larry. To bring you back, man. Yeah, that was um, a lot of fun. I'm willing to give it another shot. I'll do better. No, you did fantastic. <laughs> awesome. What if I put my wrestling outfit on or something? Oh, only oh, we, didn't, we didn't even get to talk about that. Only the luchador. <laughs> we didn't. Even, what is that? The Mexican wrestling? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is definitely oh, going to be a follow-up. Great. I didn't even think about that. Next that time. is going to be a follow-up podcast. Um, I'll tell yeah. you what, though. We had a good time. Well, right. I appreciate you guys for having me. Oh, we appreciate yeah, you coming in. a joint for my ride to a Fallon. Oh, absolutely. Well, you can go ahead and do that while we wrap up. Because cool. I still got to thank our sponsors and all that wonderful stuff. Can't forget about them. They get upset. Some of them will glare at you from the corner if you don't mention their stuff right. I'll screw up that advertisement just to get a dirty look. All right. If you guys are still listening, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode. If you are there, make sure you go ahead and click subscribe and hit that notification bell so that you get notified every week when we drop new episodes. It is time to thank our episode sponsors. I want to thank Malevolent Arts Studios out of Barnhart, Missouri. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, over there. He has got a crew in an excellent shop. If you guys are out there looking for a tattoo, I highly recommend that you go see him and his artist uh anthony does exceptional line work his color work and his his traditional and illustrated work is is fantastic he will work with you to make sure that he designs something that you are going to be happy with and he will put down a a quality tattoo that's going to last you a very very long time so if you look in our description you will see a link to anthony's shop make sure that you reach out to him and mention the stoned apes podcast you will get 20 percent off of any booked services with him our other episode 
episode sponsor is here with us today, and that is our man, Elliot Growth, and he owns e-growth productions and that is an audio video company he does our photography and he's going to be shooting some videos for us shortly he does all the videography for 10th planet crystal city you can go to our description in the link and you will see an example of his work um absolutely fantastic work fantastic artist uh super professional to work with if you mention the stoned apes podcast when you reach out to contact him he will give you uh, 10% off of any booked service. Elliot also owns Gateway Tattoo Studio, and he is an appointment-only tattoo artist. He specializes in black and gray and realism work. If you go to our description, you will see an email link to him. Go ahead and reach out to him if you're looking for a piece. He'd be happy to work with you to discuss and, and create something that uh, you are going to want to go forward with. And if you do, mention the Stone Dave's podcast, and you get $50 off any half-day booked appointment. Thank you guys again for joining us for another episode. We enjoyed having you. A big thank you again to our man Larry and Proper Cannabis for sending him out. We had a great time. And for the Stone Dates podcast, we are out.